Hey, Three Circle Church, thank you for joining us for the podcast today. We are still in the middle of our teaching series right now, Seven, the Seven Churches of Revelation. We're having a great time, and we've had different guests on the podcast from local pastor Johnny Hunt to Atlanta area pastor Matt Pilon. We had our own uh, executive pastor and uh, uh, campus pastor in Fairhope, Russell Creel. Today, I'm really excited to have my dear friend and Fairhope Campus Three Circle student pastor, T.C. Brown with us. T.C., welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's really awesome to, to have you on here today, T.C. You, uh, for the Fairhope Campus at least, you uh, just recently preached on the church that you and I are going to talk about today, Thyatira, which is a tricky word, right? To, yep. It kind of doesn't roll off the tongue very easily. But before we dive into discussing that church, T.C., uh, you know, I've known you now for, I don't know, I guess 15 plus years, something like that. It's been a long time. And uh, just watching you grow, you were in uh, our student ministry in Florida and then served uh, at a church there. You, you and Megan met really in ministry. And then, uh, you know, about a year after I came here, I think maybe not even a year, uh, we brought you and Megan on as our student pastors. And the the resulting seven and a half, eight years that you've been here has just been amazing to watch the ministry that you guys have to our community and to just this this next generation. So, uh, man, I just am so grateful for your ministry, TC. So how, just before we dive into the church, what, is it, what does it look like in a modern culture? Because I was a student pastor 20 years ago, and I think the world has changed in those 20 years. Mm-hmm. What's it like being a student pastor today? Oh, man. Uh, I think, well, one thing that's different today than it was 10 years ago and obviously 20 years ago is being present in the digital age. Mm. Um, I think uh, one one of my mentors put it this way. He says, being present in uh, a, a student's digital world is equivalent to being present physically at one of their sports games, oh, wow. which is mind-blowing to think about. So being present in that capacity and then um, I think the other thing, like a myth, I think that students believe is is which is obviously a lie, is that if I if I know everything, I don't have to know someone. So um, I think making it a point to 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 draw the truth out of students, help them to feel like they belong before they believe, and you almost have to do what Larry Osborne uh, says: you have to 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 blast before you build, and so yeah. you have to, almost have to eradicate this eradicate this view of Ju- of Jesus that they have. Mm-hmm that culture has kind of created for them and right. then teach them, hey, that's, <laughs> yes, Jesus, there's a wrathful side of it, but there's this graceful and loving side of it, you know? So uh, I would I would start there. And That was an interesting phrase. Tell, tell us how you think one can be present in the digital world of their kids. What does that look like? Well, I think uh, when you look at Instagram and Snapchat, I think, uh, a lot of people see that as as evil and and just bad things. Oh, our students or my child should not be involved in those things. And what a lot of parents and and people don't know is is that Snapchat and Instagram, yes, they have their evil sides to them. But interestingly enough, it is actually the main form of communication for a student. So think about that. Wow, over texting. Over texting. Okay. Texting is now old. Okay. No joke. So uh, I've had students that I've tried to text, and they'll they'll respond with, "Hey, can you just snap me? Oh, or wow. can you just talk to me on Instagram?" So yeah. it's interesting. That's a preferred method of communication. So yeah. not many, not to be confused with slap you, snap right, you, right? Yeah, you. of course, right? Yeah. Snapchat, snap me, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so if you if you are on those things, I mean, you're you're hurting yourself almost, right? 
as a student ministry. So to be present, I mean, you have to be present in their world. So speak their language is right what you're to saying. earn the earn the right to speak into their life. Right, you know what I mean. Um, so I think I mean I mean I think the things that the enemy would intend for 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 evil, mm-hmm. we can use them as tools. Yeah, redeem those good. things. Right. Redeem yeah. those tools. So, absolutely, that is awesome, TC. So. Uh, another thing that I love about your ministry in particular, and and the church has now heard you. I think this is your second time or third uh, to speak on the the main stage, third, uh, yeah. third time, and people have seen that you're you're really an accomplished Bible teacher at this point in your ministry. And I love that that your approach to student ministry is like you don't water down anything. You are deeply committed to preaching the gospel, and and the gospel saturates everything you guys do as a student ministry. Why have you, and I know from a biblical standpoint, but why are you so deeply committed to communicating the Word of God to this generation? Well, I think everything, I mean, it goes back to my story personally. Um, I grew up in a home where all my life I've been told by my parents, I love you no matter what, right? Which who doesn't say that to their kids? And I remember hearing that as a middle schooler and then seeing my parents in turn get divorced, which was just a gut shot for me as a teenager. How old were you when that happened? Um, I was 13 years old when okay. that happened. So as a teenager, I mean, obviously there's so many, so many things that, that can go hand in hand with the divorce happening. I mean, students think it's their fault, you know, all these things. Sure. But for the first time, granted, I grew up in a Christian home, mind you. Right. You know, I get that. That's a broad term, but I had heard, you know, God's love is unconditional. Therefore, mm-hmm. my parents' love is unconditional. Well, their love for one another was conditional. Wow. So that was part of That was of like me. a crack in the foundation. Right. right. And so, um, and, and, Though my dad, my my mine and my dad's relationship today is redeemed and it is good, but there was a, I mean, when they divorced, when they split, my dad was absent for from ninth to twelfth grade. Oh wow! So those just impressionable, pivotal, yes, so important years. Huge. Dad was out of the picture, and so I have a just a massive heart for father, the fatherless kids. Yes, um, I mean, I don't know for me. Um, student ministry, teenagers, whether middle school, high school, preteen, and college, even I almost view them as 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 um like a forgotten people group. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think there's so many things that we as adults look at. Oh, that 14 year old was dumped by his girlfriend, and we almost almost laugh. We at minimize him. it, right? We it's minimize a big deal it, to him, it. But but it's it's the same thing for what is what is real for me is real for me. Man, that's good. You know what I mean? And so for a ninth grader, for someone to walk alongside them to be in their life, yeah, man. to be present, digital age, be at their game, whatever that is, mm-hmm. but also understand, yes, I've been through that, and I know what the other side of this looks like. Yes. But it is still real life for them. That's huge. So when you to me, when you ignore or reduce that, you almost add to their pain. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. to me, you, when you walk alongside them, I mean, you're all of a sudden they're important. Yeah. Someone sees me. Yeah. You, you legitimize what, I mean? so, what they're going right, through. Exactly. Man, that is great. I just love your ministry, TC, and we're, we're blessed to have you and your bride, Megan, uh, on this staff. Let's dive into the Word of God, man. So you preached on Thyra Tyra, uh, this amazing, you know, we're looking at the book of Revelation. And we, first of all, you know, we basically laid the foundation. This book is not about predicting the future. This book is primarily the unveiling of the glorified Christ. And then that glorified Christ writes these seven fascinating letters, right, to the church. And what we understand is that these letters were not just for those very real churches, but they're for all of us. And we're seeing ourselves, we're seeing our own families and our own church in Pergamos and in Ephesus and in Smyrna. And this week, uh, Thyatira, and uh, you did a tremendous job preaching on on that. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about what you learned, you know, just a little more. Uh, how, how can we as a modern church learn? And I, and I think in particular, you leading the next generation, because this is, I think this generation is more sexualized and, and, and they have been hit with more images and more access to things, I would argue, than any generation in human history. So how did this church in particular kind of hit right in the sweet spot of what you're trying to communicate as a student pastor? Yeah, so <clears throat> I tell my students uh, often, oftentimes, don't trade what you want most for what you want in a moment. Um, say that think, Say that again. <laughs> that is so powerful. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in a moment. So good. And I think for a student, I mean, goodness, there's this constant battle of the pressure of culture and the influence of the home and which one do I listen to. And, and sadly, <clears throat> I think a lot of times, the student, the teenager, uh, and even obviously in, into adulthood, they will they will resort to uh, what's going on now, what's before my eyes, and, and that's the one I'm going to choose because that's right. the one that without that, thinking about how this will impact. There, later yeah, there's on. no there's no thought process there. It's, you know, this is what I want, so that's what I'm going to get, and and obviously that's detrimental, and there's there's lifetime implications that go hand in hand with that. But the thing that that breaks my heart more than them making that decision is that. Um, these students, especially the ones who we think are immersed in what we would consider a Christian home, you have moms and dads who, who essentially they 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 squander their time with their children. Uh, they mm. don't model what it looks like to make that decision. What they want most. Gotcha. And so they do what uh, what uh, excuse me what what he talks about in 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 uh, goodness Revelation about Thyatira. He says you're the church that tolerates. Right, and so you can Huge replace, word, right? Oh my gosh, That's a buzzword it's, for it's a our gauntlet. culture. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a such a massive word, and you can you can replace that word tolerate with allow. Oh, okay, right, and so yeah. it's almost like parents would say it's like the difference between applied and aspirational values. Oh, that's right? good. Just because it's up on the wall and I got a verse hanging on the wall, it doesn't mean it's something that we do. Yeah, right, right. It's the same as you walking in a fast food restaurant that says they value customer service, but you've been waiting for 10 minutes and no one yes. has said anything to you. You know yes. what I mean? And so um, I think what what happens is that stuff starts at home. Okay. And so in essence, you've created this 14-year-old or 18-year-old or mm -hmm. God forbid a college student who eventually will walk away from their faith because they never saw their faith modeled out. Wow. So they never saw it mom. It was never real. It, no, them. it wasn't. Uh-uh. It was they, a theory. Right. Who? How many families do you know that say God is number one in their life? Yeah. Well, but it doesn't look like If that, you look though. at what they measure. That's good. Right? The the amount of times they spend on a ball field, which I'm not talking about, you know, sure. the times you spend in a ballpark versus your church right, attendance. Right. I'm talking about what yeah. Deuteronomy 6 says. It should be day and night on your conversation. That is a, like, that's a good point, TC. So... For me, and you tell me what you think, uh, when when we look at things like ball and art and music and all the things our kids can get into, the access they have, to me it's not as much don't do this, but it's more how do you view this? Right? Do my kids playing baseball or basketball or playing guitar in the band or whatever, do they see that as ultimately to the glory of God and them living out sure. their faith in those yeah. environments? What are your thoughts on that? Unfortunately, don't they don't um, because, I mean, I, I think through one of my favorite verses, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness will be added to you. So I think for a student, especially at that impressionable age, they don't look at a, a new hobby or a sport as simply something they can do. Okay, They're looking for a tribe. 
Wow. They're looking for somewhere to belong. Community. Absolutely. Parents look at it as, oh, my child needs to learn teamwork and and these. Yeah. And those are great. You're saying it's deeper than that. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for sports. Okay. But a teenager's perspective is, how can I make mom and dad happy? Yeah. So think about that. You ask them, hey, are you interested in playing baseball? Are you interested in wrestling? Whatever it is. Who who knows? Of course they're going to say yes because – Clearly, the mom and dad want yeah. want this for you, but sure. they're looking for is this is this what my mom and dad want me to do as a career path? You know what I mean? They're not thinking about this right. is a hobby or just something I'm going to do in high school. Yeah, I mean they think big and they dream big. That's huge, right? So, yeah. so looking at the church of Thyatira, uh, you know, and and all that they had going on, it is interesting to me, TC, that that Jesus describes himself to these churches in different ways. So he he comes, you know, he tells the church of Ephesus, I'm the Alpha and Omega. And he comes to Smyrna and he describes himself in a very unique way to them. But when he comes to Thyatira, the compromising church, this tolerant yep. church, he says, I'm the one with eyes of fire yep. and feet of brass. Yep. Why do you think he chose those two phrases to introduce himself to this church? Right. So uh, even even back before he says those words, one of my favorite phrases of this one, it's interesting, this is the longest letter to the smallest church. Right. Which blew my mind. Interesting about it. it, right? And it's the one letter that he introduces himself as the Son of God. That's right. Not the, the other son of ones, man. right? He does not say that. And and I thought long and hard about that. And I got to reading, and I realized this is no, this is not graceful, Jesus. This is this is, hey, I'm here, yeah. and this is how I feel about sin. I take mm. sin seriously. Mm-hmm. And so the eyes of fire. Uh, I mean. What is it in Acts where Jesus is known as the heart knower, the one who knows mind yeah. and heart. He knows yeah. all things. So I can't help but wonder about when I read about the church of Thyatira that this is secret sin. That's secret. That's right. Or at least they think it's secret. Right. Of course. Right. So Jesus sees what yeah. they can't see. That's right. Right. He and sees then, what it's doing to their exactly, hearts. Exactly. Right. But not only that, all that's hidden is seen by Christ. Right. And I think it's such a powerful right. thing that he's reminding them. I, I see what you right. think. No one sees. Right. I see it. Right. Not only that, feet of brass, which yeah. historically is judgment, right? Right. Judgment, justice. Like, I'm yeah. going to get it. Right. It's going to be eradicated. So, right. you know, that's why he says about the the woman of Jezebel. Like, yeah, this which, is what a way to to symbolize how he feels about sin. Like, you remember the story right. about Jezebel. Like, this, the tone. Yeah. There's a tone. Oh, it is fierce. To his letter so to Thyatira. Yeah. What are your so let's dive into that for a second. Why do you think, TC, that sexual sin can be so devastating? Of course, Jesus' blood covers all sin, but what we understand is the consequences of sin and how they impact us are just different. And the Bible points out several times that sexual sin is not harder for God to forgive, but it, the impact it has on our own lives is so deep and so long lasting and far reaching. Why do you think that is, and how have you seen that be true in in what you're doing in ministry? Yeah, so um, one of my mentors, Stuart Hall, he said, uh, uh, "Women, excuse me, men objectify women, and women objectify themselves," and that mm. blew my mind. Just what a statement, right? Wow. And so I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, like the pressure of culture okay. versus the influence of home, and so for. For a student, if there is no foundation, obviously, when they get into the teenage years, yeah, it's very easy for them to go, well, this is clearly how I become known. This okay. is clearly how I get cool, right? And so, interestingly enough, if you were to poll the students in our student ministry who aren't sexually active, they're terrified of it. 
Wow. But they're not terrified to try it because gotcha. it's, a, it's, again, another tribe. Okay. And so if I can't belong, and think about it, if I can't belong in this friend group, if I can't belong in this sport, then maybe I can belong sexually. Yeah, to a person. Right? Exactly, which yeah. it, it breaks my heart and blows our minds. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the thought process, which we look at as adults and go, you have got to be kidding me. But if there is no foundation, mind you, if it is not talked about at home, if it's an aspirational value on your wall, yeah, in the same way that we roll our eyes at those values that clearly aren't applied, right? a student is going, no way am I going to think through it through the filter of Scripture. Mm -hmm. No way. It's not even a thought. I mean, that's yeah. no, not even on the map, not even on the radar, right? How do you, how do you help students who, um, the student who's been sucked into the cultural kind of moment that we're in, and Thyatira was doing that as well, and, and inevitably the crash of the wave after sexual sin is that of shame, and the enemy gets involved in that. Of course, the enemy loves to lure uh, all of us, and, yeah. and in particular students, into this trap and then beat them over the head with it after he has lured them in. So how do you help them navigate that? A kid, a, a student, or even an adult listening to this podcast right now who has gone down the road that the Thyatira church did, tolerating sexual sin, they've messed up, they've blown it. And how do they get back to a place of grace? How do they grab back onto, uh, once they come to Christ and repent, the idea of there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? How do we, how do we combat the inevitable shame that comes with it once we are walking with Christ again? Right. So it's easy to think through, you know, what I've done. Shame. Oh, my goodness, this is terrible. I don't want to hang out my dirty laundry. But when I look at this, specifically the letter to the Church of Thyatira, the ending part where he says, you and I get the morning star, like mm. knowing that the morning star is Jesus. And the, as I thought about that, I'm like, okay, yes, that's, a, that's an easy, easy handle to grab onto. But the thing that I think gets me for someone who is dealing with shame, dealing with that dirty ugliness, that, that guilt Right. What I gravitate toward is in uh, Romans chapter 2, 4, where Paul reminds us it's not the wrath of God that brings us to repentance, but rather his kindness, right, his goodness. Good. And so to me, like, yes, I see this fierce, wrathful, this is how he feels about sin. It is a serious thing. Mm -hmm. You should truly remorse for your sin, right? Yeah. Like that should take place for us as believers, but also understand God loves you. There's not a part in your life that is too far that God cannot redeem. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. for a student, I think um, a lot of times they count themselves out. I've already done this. I'm too far gone. No, you're That's not. Good. I mean, there's a story there. Yes, it, it is a tough story right now, but you have no idea what's on the other side of this and how right. God can redeem that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, so man. That's good. there's a story to be told. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, that's what I was. So thinking. you you don't only kind of in, in in landing the plane here. You know, obviously your specialty at this time in your ministry is to students. But this this past weekend, you spoke to thousands of adults. So as a as a man, a, a dad, a, a husband, uh, TC, what are the what are some guardrails that you put up in your own life to make sure that you are you know following Christ in purity that you're not allowing the world to slip into your own thought life and what you're watching and listening to? What are some, maybe two or three things here at the end that you would encourage, in particular, men listening to this just because sure. we're dudes, and yep. uh, that, that they could put in place yep. to make sure they don't slide down the slippery slope of Thyatira? Yep. 
So uh, first and foremost, uh, I mean, there's no daily substitute for time with God, mm, period. There is no substitute for that. So Agreed. I think first and foremost, you have to start there. Um, if you're saying, well, I'm too tired, I mean, wait, make it a, a time right. to, to read at night. Figure out a sure. way. Uh, one of my best friends says you make time for the things you want to do. Yep. <laughs> if you want to do it, you will make time for it. It's true. Um, so I would say there's no substitute for that, too, uh, which I, I'm, I'm just big on. There are people in my life who they can ask me absolutely anything. Okay. Right. So accountability. Oh my goodness. Yes. But again, you got to make time for that. I have to schedule those breakfasts, coffees, lunches, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. But those guys know, and, and it's mutual. Like we know we're not here to talk about sports work and the weather. It's good. I mean, how many relationships, which really ironically aren't relationships, they're acquaintances. Yeah. Right. How many relationships do you have that people can truly ask you the deep, hard questions? And obviously you got to be honest with yourself. Right. Right, you got to be willing to say no. This is going to be mutual, a two-way path. That is, I'm going to be honest. You're going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I have a handful of those that I mean, that's that's a regular thing. Good. And so my wife knows. Hey, I have to have this meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, and so she gets it. Um, so uh, there's no substitute for time with God, uh, accountability, and then lastly, um, I think for me. Uh, because I'm a guy and, and my, my eyes and my thumbs can wander, right? It's no yeah, longer yeah. the day of a laptop, but a phone. That's right. Um, making it a point that if my wife goes to bed, I'm going to bed too. <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> you know good. what I mean? Uh, if, if I'm, uh, if my, if my wife is at lunch with someone, I'm not putting myself in a position to where I have to exercise self-control. Yeah. Right. Uh, cause it's hard. It's me against me yeah. if I'm at home by myself. And so yeah, I'm making it a point. Idleness that, is is really an enemy <laughs> in yes, a sense for yeah. for us. We need to right. to be uh, intentional about our right. time. And it's interesting, TC. We're we're doing ministry in a time, and we're being being you know believers in a time where for the first time in human history we have total anonymity and total access in our hands with technology, which is brutal on one on one hand. So yep. uh, you know, huge huge shout out to you and your team for helping us navigate this and thank you for standing on stage and, and preaching the gospel and helping us understand this church. And we just, uh, we appreciate your ministry and, uh, carry on my brother. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Three circle. Thanks so much for joining us today for the podcast. We hope that you are encouraged every week. Uh, join us next week as we continue this journey through the book of revelation and checking out these seven churches and what they have to say to us. We'll see you next time.